everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Josh. And this week, we're still mad about the episode we did last week, but I promise we won't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Even though Josh was on the show last time. I was not, but I'm still mad. <laughs> Hashtag still mad. I guess that kind of goes without saying, right? Pretty much. Yeah, so this yeah. week, what we kind of want to look at is some of the incoming transfers that are going to be coming to Tech and joining the football team this fall. Um, before we get started, though, I guess some some news surrounding college football itself. Uh, the NCAA has allowed voluntary activities, or basically workouts, to start June 1st for programs. LSU announced that June 8th would be the start day for their football workout. Um, still no official announcement from Tech itself, but you'd imagine if LSU is doing it June 8th, then Tech would as well. June 7th. <laughs> Seventh yeah, and no, a half. I'd imagine that if, if LSU feels like it's safe to bring their players back to Baton Rouge, I mean, Ruston's a lot smaller place with less people, less population density. So I'm obviously not plugged into like the actual COVID numbers in both areas of Louisiana since I don't live there. But, you know, hopefully everybody just does it safely and, you know, as safely as possible, I guess. Because uh, you'd hate for everything to get shut down again. Yeah, you're a big bummer. It would be. But we kept all of the bummers in last week, so let's yeah. <laughs> let's move forward. So the first transfer we want to talk about today is the defensive tackle Gerald Wilbin from Texas. Uh, Evan, what do you got about him? Yeah, so you know, coming into next season, really the whole defense is kind of the biggest question mark going forward because we lost what 10, 10 starters or something like that. But the D line, especially has it, it we're losing Courtney Wallace and Kadarian Mason two guys who are consistent starters and then uh the last year's grad transfer nose tackle Kevin Murphy who was injured a lot of last season but he's also gone to graduation the only uh defensive line starters uh players that return significant playing time are Willie Baker and Milton Williams so really any help we could get along that defensive line is uh, a big pickup in the offseason um, so Ger- Gerald Wilbon, I, I guess is how I'm going to pronounce his name. Um, he played 421 career snaps at Texas, uh, mostly as a rotational player. That was across uh, 13 games, and he racked up 19 tackles in those 421 snaps, uh, 13 games. Um, but he was a, a pretty highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. Three-star recruit from Destrehan High in Louisiana, rated as the number 54 defensive line prospect nationally, and ESPN even had him as the number 39 defensive line prospect. So uh, he chose Texas over a bunch of schools. I I remember seeing Tulane and ULL on that list. Tech was actually not on the list of those mentioned, Um, so that's kind of Mm. interesting that he now chose us um, to be a grad transfer, but... He is, uh, he's six foot three, 325 pounds. So he's a pretty big old boy. And along those same lines, he was actually banned from youth sports at one point because he was too big. So the other parents complained and he had to sit out that year of youth sports. So that was pretty Nasty. sad, but, uh, he's, he's been described as a huge teddy bear. So what do you guys think about this pickup? Yeah. I mean, like you said, with Willie Baker and Milton Williams being the only real returners along that D line, I can't imagine him not having an impact unless he goes down with injury pretty early on. Um, That said, I guess my hot take for this episode, I'll go ahead and get it out of the way early, (laughs) is that his stats will look better than Willie Baker's at the end of the year. It's a bold claim. Oh, wow. Uh, Are we... Are we sticking with the three four this year? I don't know if we've really talked about that at all. Do we even know? Who who do you bring in for D coordinator this year? From uh this guy from the guy from ODU, Blackwell, right? David Blackwell. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
I think when we talked about him before, I think we, I think he runs multiple. Um, my, my thought is if you only have two returner D linemen and yeah. don't have that problem at linebacker, you may have to run three, four out of necessity. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. I, I don't, I don't really know on that, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a no doubt day one starter because with these guys who come in as grad transfers, I mean, they're not guaranteed starting spots, but you have to think like this guy was playing rotationally at Texas. Like he was going to continue to get snaps this year at Texas, right? He's got to weigh that against schools where he's going to go and also just get in a rotation. That's not what he wants. He wants to be a starter, right? So not saying that the coaches tell him like straight up, dude, you're a starter on our team if you come here. But I am saying that he feels like the the odds are stacked in his favor that he's going to be a starter. And I would agree with that assessment. And I think that, that the size and talent that he brings um, to the position will, I don't necessarily think he's going to outpace uh, Willie Baker, but um, I think he's going to have a a pretty strong senior campaign with the Bulldogs. Josh, what do you think? I think that he will be an immediate impact player. I mean, you don't transfer in as a grad transfer to just go ride the pine really. So I think, you know, yeah, you're right. He's a rotational player at Texas, which, you know, probably has a pretty deep stable of, you know, D-line players. So he's going to come here and he's going to start and he'll probably do pretty well, honestly, given, you know, going from playing Big 12 teams to playing, you know, CUSA teams. Right. So on that same note, of uh, grad transfers wanting to be starters. Who you got for us next, Nathan? Yeah, so the ultimate all-important quarterback position, Tech has landed a grad transfer for the first time in three years, I think, and it's Luke Anthony from Abilene Christian. He was a two-year captain for Abilene Christian. He graduates this month with a degree in financial management, which sounds impressive, but even more so because he earned the Southland Conference's Student Athlete of the Year in football last year with a 3.96 GPA. Yeah, just so you know, that's that's getting what one B across all of college because that was my GPA damn speech class. Anyway, pretty good. I will, I will just not say what my GPA was. (laughs) Yeah. So this, this dude's smart is what we're saying. Yeah. But while he's smart, his team was bad. ACU was not a great team. They finished middle of the pack in 2018 and 2019 going six and five, five and seven. Granted, I guess that's not bad, bad, but compared to the the success Tech has had at the level above ACU, transferring to a better program is probably the right step for him. Oh yeah, for sure. And the the skill talent, I mean, we can talk about our our takes later, but the skill talent around him is going to be much, much better at Tech than it was at ACU. But interesting at ACU though, uh, his grandfather served as a trustee at the university for 20 years, and both his parents graduated from that college. Also, factor in his family donated $300 million. 30 30 million. Thank you. Still an impressive number. (laughs) Yeah, only 30 million, guys. Only 30 million. (laughs) His family donated $30 million to the university as the largest in school history and got the new football field named after them. Do they want to donate for a new practice field? Right. (laughs) Shit. The Anthony indoor practice field? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I put put that in there because I I saw that in an article about him leaving ACU, and I was just kind of like, man, this dude's like royalty there. Why is he leaving? But, uh, you know, I guess the opportunity came back. He just wants to ball with his bros. (laughs) And he balled pretty well at ACU as well. 
Beautiful transition. Mm-hmm. In Beautiful. 2018, in 2018, wow. he took over as the starter and played in 11 games. He threw for 3,012 yards with a 65% completion rate, 23 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. And he led the Wildcats to their first winning season. Granted, that was what the six and five year. Yeah. Uh, but still, that's a winning season. It was their first winning season um, in four years since 2014. In 2019, the stat line that got brought up a lot when he was first recruited to Tech, he threw for uh, 2,525 yards. That's fun to say. Um, completion percentage dropped a little bit too, 63% compared to 65% the year before, as well as touchdowns fell and interceptions rose, 17 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. I'm assuming that Tech is hoping he is his 2018 self and not his 2019 self. Including his limited playing time in 2017, he threw for 51 touchdowns and 24 interceptions overall. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully more 2018 than 2019. Yeah, because I mean, if you compared their stats straight up side by side, I mean, that kind of looks almost like Jamar, I would think, you know, with the completion percentage and the the total yardage. But again, but is he a rock star? (laughs) Tech is going to have, you know, much better wide receivers. I'm hype about this wide receiver core coming back just like i was last off season so we'll talk about that in future episodes i'm sure but uh let's go ahead and go down that depth yeah, chart really quick and let's who we return at wide receiver we have adrian hardy coming back as a redshirt junior yep. we have cj powell we have griffin Abair, we have isaiah graham we have smoke harris and we have wayne tucson all those yeah. guys had significant playing time Very last good. year yeah and all of them pretty much underperformed from what you wanted them to do. I mean, I, I was expecting a lot more out of Hardy and Graham specifically last season. Yeah. Um, after Hardy's, what I guess, redshirt freshman season, I was expecting huge things from him last year. And he was fine, but just not the kind of, I was expecting almost Carlos Henderson-esque, right? But um, that, that I mean, certainly didn't happen. That's that's hard to hit, though. And Carlos yeah. Henderson, that was his redshirt junior year that he popped off. And I mean, right. this is yes. his redshirt junior year. So Indeed. we'll see what happens. Um, but really, you can't ask for a better supporting staff of receivers for a, a new, fresh-faced quarterback. And it helps that Anthony played up to his FBS competition, even while playing for an FCS team against Baylor in 2018. He threw 67% completion percentage for 231 yards, two touchdowns and one INT against conference or against Tech's conference mate, North Texas uh, last year. His completion percentage was 71% for 273 yards, one touchdown and no interceptions. And then against Mississippi State, a team that Tech has historically struggled against, (laughs) Anthony played... Yeah, really. Anthony threw for 66%, 255 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I would have gladly taken that against Mississippi State last time. That would have been great. (laughs) What was their longest third down attempt is really my question. (laughs) Uh. But yeah, Evan, how do you see his last year in the collegiate ranks at Tech finishing out? Well, look, I think if he had not transferred in, I think we'd all know that Aaron Allen would be the starter coming into this season uh, because of how the last two games of the regular season or the Marshall game uh, and the UAB game shook out with Aaron Allen stepping in for Jamar. But like, like we said, I mean, Luke Anthony's not going to leave his, his ancestral home basically like his, (laughs) his fiefdom or whatever you want to call it to come to, to come to tech unless he thinks he's going to be the starter. So uh, I watched a little bit of his tape. He's got a pretty quick release um, and tends to make smart decisions with the football. So um, he's pretty good at the mid range passing game specifically uh, like the 10 to 10 to 20 yards. I would say again, I think, I think he's a shoe in to win the starting job with his pedigree as a two year starter. And he was also a two year captain on that team. So um, I just don't think you bring a guy like that in unless you think he's going to be your guy. So I, I think Skip thinks he's the guy. And, you know, hopefully Aaron Allen can prove us all wrong and be amazing and come in and, and win the starting job that, you know, he 
probably thinks is his, right? So I was really excited for spring camp to see, you know, how those guys competed. And obviously that got canceled, but hopefully uh, fall camp will be unimpeded and we can see these guys uh, battle it out and see who wins the job. Yeah, that point about spring camp being canceled is kind of the basis of my thought about him. When he first transferred into tech and that was first announced, to me, it seemed like a great idea, right? I mean, we have Aaron Allen waiting, but what concerns me about Anthony, though, is that he has no spring practice. He's enrolled in the school, I believe. Yeah, he was going to be at spring practice. I, I checked yeah. to make sure. But now we also may be seeing the summer workouts start up in the next few weeks or so. Um, but really, that's not official yet either. The longer that he isn't able to acclimate to the team and get used to throwing to these receivers and everything, the more it hurts him because Aaron Allen's been doing that for years. Yeah. So I do think he'll get the starting job. But when he first got announced, I was 90% sure. And maybe now I'm 60% sure that he'll end up as the starting QB day one. Interesting. Yeah. Is that your, is that your take? <laughs> That's pretty much my take. No, I think, yeah, you guys are right. He's probably going to have the starting job. I mean, you don't leave somewhere where your parents donate $30 million to get the field named after them to just go somewhere and ride the bench. Right. But uh, I think I think it will be nice to have and, somebody. And he, he was guaranteed to be the starter yeah, going into yeah. his redshirt senior year, right? So uh, he just... Right. You know, he wanted to to go make a name for himself somewhere else. And I sorry for interrupting you, Josh, but, uh, you know, I I think Skip and specifically at Tech has a track record of being successful with grad transfer quarterbacks. So, I mean, obviously the last couple of years we haven't used one and haven't had one transfer in, but you had Sokol and Driscoll who came in and, you know, basically Driscoll's playing in the NFL now because of what he was able to do at Tech in one season, right? So if you're if you're Luke Anthony, you're like, okay, I'm going to do that. And now I'm going to be in the NFL instead of like working for my family's oil business or whatever the hell they do that makes them have $30 million. It is pretty safe to assume oil. But while he's lining up under center, hopefully he'll have a new guard to help protect him oh, as well. Beautiful. The next grad transfer to talk about is Donovan Campbell from LSU. You are in mid-season form, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Donovan, I guess is how you say his first name, but he's transferring in from LSU. Uh, he is six foot five and 360 pounds. So that's a uh, big man. That's some SEC offensive line size, which I think uh, I'll get into later, but I think that could help and hurt him at the uh, CUSA level. But coming out of high school, he was a four star recruit and he was actually rated the number six overall guard in the country. So this is like a pretty big deal. Um, I don't think he quite developed the way that LSU wanted him to, but Part of that was that he was plagued by injury early in his career. He was expected to compete for a starting spot as a true sophomore in 2017, but then he injured his shoulder and ended up missing that whole year, ended up sitting out and redshirting. So he played in four games as a freshman. Then, as I said, he redshirted his second year, three games in his third year, and then seven last year when I I guess LSU did something impressive. I, I don't know. I don't pay attention to them, but um He got on the field uh, for 72 snaps of that national championship run they had there as the sort of third right or or second string right guard or third guard in general. So, yeah, I I mean, I think that he'll come in and make a a pretty immediate impact on the offensive line. We know Joshua Moat will be starting at one of the guard positions, but I would assume that uh, Campbell will uh, be starting in the other guard position come uh, fall camp what do you guys think yeah one thing about him is he got arrested in 2016 for punching two people at a georgia tech frat house i'm only reasonable reasonable. 
yeah, I, I'm assuming it's because they weren't the better tech. And that's why I don't doubt his devotion to Louisiana tech. He's right. all in. Yeah, because he's like, you're not tech. Tech is in Ruston. What are you doing right. here? Yeah, I mean, Ed Ogeron <laughs> suspended him for two weeks and he came back and has been at least not newsworthy since. So I don't think that's really an issue. I just wanted to make that joke. But yeah, I, I see him as <laughs> the other guard alongside Joshua Moat. His size helps. I mean, he's a big boy. There's nothing really else you can say there. That's and, what you want on the line. Yeah, especially at the guard position. So it seems like the perfect fit body-wise for the perfect fit position-wise when Tech needs another guard. Yeah, my, my only concern about him is that at that size, I would be worried about his lateral movement speed because some defensive lines in our league, uh, Rice comes to mind specifically, purposefully run like 275 pounds or 245 pound defensive linemen out there just to have like a speed and, and shiftiness to them that you don't normally see. Um, so that wasn't a problem for him at, at the SEC level because those defensive lines are filled with, you know, gigantic humans as well. But, you know, I, I hope that he's got the athleticism, you know, the number six overall guard in the country when he came out of high school. I think he's got to have some raw talent there that maybe it didn't develop into what LSU needed in a starting guard. But I mean, again, I assume he'll be a starting guard day one of fall camp for us. Yeah, Josh, any thoughts? No, I mean, you guys mostly nailed it. It's just it's another experience transfer coming in. You know, these are guys who have had playing time. So, right. It's, it's, it's exciting. And it's not like the Sokol situation where he was looking at being the third string. Like all of these guys we were talking about have played not necessarily as starters like Luke Anthony for two seasons, but they've played significant snaps across multiple seasons in high level situations. Right. So, yeah, it's a pretty impressive haul, honestly, for Skip Holtz and, and Tech to pull in these four guys. Yeah, because let's say because we're not done yet. We have another guy with starting experience who uh, comes from another fake tech in Virginia Tech, and that's cornerback <laughs> or really defensive back Khalil Ladler. He was a former four-star recruit out of the infamous, I guess really just famous, IMG Academy, but he <laughs> suffered an injury his senior year of high school. So he had a red shirt his freshman year at Virginia Tech. Yeah, he tore his ACL. Oof. Rough. Um, he was able to graduate with a degree in criminology from Virginia Tech this past week. In the games since that injury his freshman year, or sitting out his freshman year at Virginia Tech, he played 39 games. In those games, he forced 94 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, five pass breakups, and three forced fumbles. He started 11 games in 2018, but didn't start a single one this past year. Well... At the same time, though, he, st he moved around a lot in the secondary for the Hokies. One of the articles I saw uh, mentioned that versatility as being a huge thing that's leaving out the door for Virginia Tech. Uh, he played both safety positions, cornerback and even linebacker during his time on the Hokies. Yeah, and there was some uncertainty on their message boards, too, about whether, I mean, he had lost his starting position uh, to, a, to an underclassman last year. And so, you know, moving forward into 2020, he probably wasn't going to win it back. And they've got a new defensive coordinator coming in. So it was kind of like, are they going to need that kind of roaming safety linebacker hybrid that they've used under, uh, what's that guy's name that was Virginia Tech's defensive coordinator? Bud forever? Foster. Yeah, Bud Foster's uh, defense, lunch pail defense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, I think he probably just looked at the situation and said, you know what, I could be a starter at probably 80 of the 130 FBS programs. So I'm going to go find one that's a good fit and, uh, and start my senior season, you know, and you can't blame him for that. For sure. And he has a, a connection with the defensive coordinator that Tech just brought in and David Blackwell. Oh, really? I don't remember where I saw that. I just remember reading it at one point and apparently didn't put it in the notes. 
must be true then. Interesting. We'll just take your word for it. Yeah, uh, I I am my own source. Evan, uh, you want to talk about some of those uh, big plays that Ladler has made for the Hokies? Yeah. So, like I said, I was I was reading a Virginia Tech message board earlier today, and on the thread about him leaving, people were overwhelmingly positive about his time at Virginia Tech, um, and they specifically remembered two games that he had a huge impact on. Um, I guess in his redshirt freshman year back in 2017, he stuffed a fourth and goal as time expired in a six-point win over Pitt in 20, uh, yeah, in that 2017 season. And then this past season, when he wasn't even a starter anymore, um, just playing rotationally, he actually made back-to-back tackles for loss on UNC's two-point tries in the fifth and sixth overtimes, which allowed Virginia Tech to win it in sixth overtime. So I think I think it is in the fifth overtime now. You just get one play from the two-yard line, and, and you just go back and forth. I was about to ask about the back-to-back two-point conversions, but that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so, so it was literally like Virginia Tech runs a play in fifth overtime and doesn't get it, so then UNC has a try where if they score, they win. And then Ladler stuffs the running back on a little little like hitch or pitch out. And I mean, he just read the play from the very beginning and just went and nailed him. I mean, watching this dude hit is really impressive. So I'm, I'm excited about him coming in. But then the very next play, it was kind of a broken play where the quarterback was looking for somebody that wasn't there. So he takes off running. UNC's got a pretty mobile quarterback and Ladler just again, went and just stuffed him completely. And so uh, then Virginia Tech won it on the next play. So that was that was a really cool thing to see. And people on the message boards were just wishing him the best at Tech and, uh, you know, telling him that, you know, they, they hope that he can go out there and, and make something of himself, like, at the next level by playing somewhere where he could be a starter. So that's that's always good to see. Especially because he can start a, a few different places for Tech. Uh, or, I mean, we we all know that Amik and Legarius Snead left in the draft, but really there's a lot of holes in our secondary. So getting a grad transfer to immediately come in is, is a pretty big step up. Even if we have two cornerbacks just look like starters from day one in fall camp, we can put Ladler in at safety and just play him alongside B.J. Williamson, who's earned reps during his time at Tech, too. So that seems like a pretty win-win scenario if you're both the real Tech, Louisiana Tech, and Ladler. Yeah. I agree with that fully. Uh, I love that versatility he brings to the table. Again, like I said, he he hits hard. So I love that. I, I think he could step in and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a defensive captain coming in because he's just he just seems like the kind of guy that plays with a lot of heart. And, you know, we, we kind of try to go more with numbers uh, than the eye test and stuff. But I don't know. From the limited tape I watched on him, I'm very excited to see him coming in and play in the red and blue. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's real exciting to have someone come in with experience. I mean, this is another good pickup. And like you said, he knows the new D.C. Blackwell. Um, and I, I did confirm that Blackwell is going to continue to run a 3-4 defense. Okay. So I'm assuming that, you know, he knows that coming in. I don't know what Foster ran over at Virginia Tech, but... Lyler should be familiar with the scheme and it'll be it'll be nice to have someone like experienced familiar with the scheme familiar with the coach good good news all around yeah and yeah. I, I can't overall like I can't remember a time where we had this many grad transfers coming in that are this experience right I mean I mean yeah Ladler lost his starter spot but he was a starter at at an ACC school that's you know they haven't been like winning national championships or anything but they're they're pretty middle of the pack, power five. So, uh, you know, and then obviously the two-year starter offensive captain at quarterback, that's great because <laughs> even the last two transfer quarterbacks we had were, again, Sokol, who was the third stringer going into that season, and then Driscoll, who was 
forced out and kind of a has been at that point. Right. So I just love this incoming class of grad transfers and hope they can make the make the impacts that they want to make at Tech. Yeah, what else Good can you say? That. And while four is a lot of grad transfers for Tech for a single year, uh, it does make for a pretty short show, uh, if that's all we're going to talk about. So one thing, because we're recording this on Monday night, so Memorial Day, um, I know Evan put together something talking about, I guess, Tech's history with this particular day. Yeah, I couldn't let Nathan show me up as the, uh, as the historian on the show. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about Memorial Day and kind of what I knew about Tech football history already. And so I knew that during World War II, Tech canceled the 1943 football season. And I believe that that is due to a majority of the the male students at the school being drafted or the threat of them being drafted and sent off to the war. Um, in the future, I'm going to do more research on this and see if I can dig up anything more for a post or maybe a future podcast episode or something like that. Um, but today, what I want to talk about is the 1944 Tech football team. So you you may wonder, why was there a 1944 team and not a 1943 team? Well, Tech canceled 1943 again for uh, the, the reasons I mentioned before. Um, but then they were chosen as one of the 131 host institutions for the something called the Navy V-12 college training program. So the idea behind that was to supplement the commissioned officers coming out of Annapolis at the Naval Academy by commissioning young men and sending them to these 131 host institutions to get sort of their basic college education in an accelerated program. So under head coach Joe I.A., uh, who actually himself commanded the local unit of the state guard and also helped the the USO to entertain troops by showing old game footage, which I want to see that old game footage, please. <laughs> but uh, so under under IA Tech reinstated the football team in 1944, and from what I've read, it was pretty much just to give the officer candidates something to do. Like football was a big diversion at that time to, to the men at the school who would play, but also for the students and locals who needed something to take their minds off the war effort, you know, with rationing and everybody, you know, basically being eligible to, to be sent to war. They, they just needed something fun to take their mind off it for a little bit. Um, so almost the entire team that year was actually made up of V12 students. And again, I'd, I'd like to do more on this topic in the future. But uh, today I'll just focus on one player. Uh, his name was Cloyce Box. What a name. I know, what right? Cloyce. C-L-O-Y-C-E. So he was a Marine in the V12 program who... Uh, prior to coming to Tech, he was at West Texas A&M, and he was a, a stud there as well. But he came to Tech, and the team that year wasn't great. They went 3-5-1, and one, but really it wasn't about the the final product on the field. It was more about, you know, again, giving these giving these young men something to do and taking the mind off it, right? They did beat uh, ULL, though. Nice. Um, so we have that. So after leaving Tech, he rose to the rank of captain during World War II in the Marines. Then he returned to his original school and eventually got drafted by the Detroit Lions in 1948. He went on to win two NFL championships in 1952 and 53 and was a two-time Pro Bowler and one-time All-Pro. He actually uh, left the Lions. He played for four seasons, I believe, for the Lions, but he left in 1951 uh, to fight in Korea because he was a Marine officer. Um, and then he returned to the Lions after being discharged. So uh, oh, <laughs> one other fun fact about him is that he later in life became a millionaire oil man in Texas. And his ranch was the location for the first season of the TV show Dallas. So wow. it almost feels like you're making this up. Like it just I, feels I know, right? like a, I believe any of this. 
Yeah. So um, ultimately, at least 2,000 tech students and alumni, um, not, and this does not include the V12 participants who are just there for anywhere from a few months to a year, but 2,000 tech students and alums fought in World War II. And according to the Rustin Daily Leader, 86 of those young men gave their lives in the conflict. So, you know, on Memorial Day, I guess when everybody listens to this, it'll be past Memorial Day, but just take a moment to uh, say your private thank yous to those 86 young men who gave their lives. Um, and we certainly shout them out here on the GTBDD podcast. So yeah, so that that's kind of a weird note to to transition into the tweet of the week, I guess. But yeah, so yeah, moving to our end of the show, our tweet of the week, uh, conference USA tweet of the week, this time comes from at Lutep Minor, L-O-U-T-E-P-M-I-N-E-R, who tweets, death, taxes, and CUSA people trying to create their own conferences. Because there's been just a lot, ourselves included, of people trying to create yeah. fictional conferences. Yeah. So while we feel attacked, it's also really true. Yeah, this this does seem to be a weekly occurrence. I saw the other day that like apparently someone in one of the conference offices is now like, oh, maybe that's not a bad idea. I don't know. I don't uh, ULL's AD is. Oh, ULL's AD. Yeah. Oh, he can go chew on a bag of rocks. Yeah, there's a fun exchange with uh, LaTeX Report about why ULL is trying to use this to get into Conference USA. Why? Do they want to lose more? <laughs> They've apparently been pushing it for it for years, but I mean, both are true. Uh, yikes. Yeah, but we did it before it was cool or something, right? So we don't have to feel bad about creating our own scenario a few weeks ago. <laughs> Listen, they can come in, we can go to the Big 12 and let them fight with UAB. I mean, that's true. If we're creating our own fictional scenarios, let's just put us in the SEC. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go 0 and 8 in conference every year. I'd go 0 and 8 for years. a few years. Yeah, I'd do that for two for years. A few years. Yeah. And get Skip Holtz finally his P5 job. Then Dan, Dan, Daniel would be right about, you know, at, uh, Skip Holtz being at an SEC school before 2019. <laughs> All that will come true just to prove him right. Yeah, so that about wraps it up for this week on the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog where I'll probably have part two up this week, maybe, of the Louisiana Tech football history at gtpdd.dog. Also, we have our mask store open, which is mostly a joke, but also possibly can help pay our website and podcasting fees. Uh, that's at gtpdd.redbubble.com and also linked to on our Twitter. Do we have any dumb catchphrases to put on t-shirts yet? Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for, us to say something really stupid on this podcast. Somebody go back through all the podcasts and pull a soundbite. Yeah. Somebody that's not involved with the podcast, because we don't want to do that shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Barely listen to it once just to edit it. But yeah, until next time, <laughs> I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Josh. And go tech. Please don't die. Please. Coach Joe IA sort of re, uh, oh crap, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he restarted, I guess, would work. Okay. Reinstituted. Yeah, reinstituted. There we go, Josh. Um, oh, SAT word.